This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 422. This podcast is brought to you by Sidekick. I use muscle scraping tools from Sidekick to work on my hamstrings, my back, and feet. They are must-haves in my injury prevention toolbox. I recommend the My Personal PT Bundle. Just go to sidekicktool.com MTA for 15% off. Thanks also to the Flagstaff Marathon in Flagstaff, Arizona. It takes place November 4th, 2023. They have a full, a half, and a 10K on beautiful trails with high elevation gains. It's known for being one of Arizona's toughest marathons. Check it out at flagstaffmarathon.com. Use the code MTA23 for 15% off registration. Flagstaffmarathon.com. Use the code MTA23. Thanks to Oladance Open Earbuds. They have 360-degree superior sound, but they never enter the ear, so there's no ear fatigue. Plus, you never lose track of what's happening around you. Visit Oladance.com and use the promo code MTA20 to save 20%. Hello and welcome to the Marathon Training Academy podcast, where we empower you to run a marathon and change your life. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, we explore the relationship between fitness and play, how to have fun while training for a marathon. And don't forget, you'll have a lot of fun getting your questions answered. As an Academy member, you get access to all of our back podcast episodes, full-length interviews, training plans, and more. Find out how to become a member over at MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. All right, so the World Championship Marathon uh, was just held in Budapest. Uh, So the World Championships are the second most prestigious global competition, actually managed by the same governing body in athletics that governs the uh, Olympics. And the World Championships, or Worlds, as most people refer to them, are held every two years. Uh, This year, the first place woman was Amane Shankule of Ethiopia. She finished in 224-23. Uh, the top U.S. finisher was Lindsay Flanagan in ninth place in 227.23. Kira D'Amato, who we've had on the podcast, finished 17th. She had a really tough race, but still managed to come in in 231. On the men's side of things, the first place finisher was Victor Kiplingat of Uganda in 2 hours, 8 minutes, and 53 seconds. The top U.S. male finisher was Zach Panning in 13th place with a time of 211.21. Running through the beautiful city of Budapest. So we always love to give props to folks in our community who are out there pursuing their fitness. Here's some shout outs for you. First of all, to Elijah, longtime listener. That's right. He says, I haven't posted here in a long time, but some of you may remember I DNF'd this race last year. Well, I got my revenge and beat the Bulldog Trail Ultra in Southern California. I had my nutrition dialed in and an attitude of gratitude. I didn't complain once or wish that I could just be done and move on. I'm still riding the wave and working to earn the 2,500 mile medal I bought last year. Thanks MTA for the years of tips and tricks. Happy trails and happy goal chasing, everyone. (laughs) Love it. That was the Bulldog Trail Ultra. I believe it was a 50K that he did, so congrats uh, on conquering that, Elijah. This comes from Peggy in the Social Distancing Run group. She says, I ran the Edmonton Marathon, the Friendly Marathon today, and it was amazing. I finished in a time of 421.17, my best marathon ever. I've only done three other official ones. I came in second place in my age group and almost qualified for Boston. 420 is my BQ time for my age group. My training worked. I just needed a bit more energy for the last 10 kilometers. This group really motivates me, and I love learning from other people's experiences. So thank you for creating this group. 
And that comes from Peggy from Canada. Awesome finishing time, Peggy. That's so great to hear. And finally, we'd like to say congrats to MTA Coach Chris on our team. She won second overall female at the Tunnel Half Marathon in Washington State. And this is in spite of having horrible food poisoning the night before. Oh, my. So oh, that sounds rough. You kind of mess up your race day goals. Yeah, congratulations on still showing up and doing your best. And that's pretty awesome. Well on my way, well on my way. All right, in this episode, we're going to focus on the relationship between fitness and fun. How can you use the power of of play, essentially, in your long-distance running? This idea came to me when I was throwing a football with my son. I was thinking about the importance of play for kids. Uh, you've probably heard of the Swiss psychologist Jean Piaget. He's famous for his work and how play is essential for early childhood development. So we know that children learn through play, but what about adults? Why do we keep playing? Right now in the U.S., the fastest growing sport is pickleball. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have not tried it yet. I would like to. And apparently pickleball, there's a low barrier to entry. Tennis is kind of hard to get good at to where you can start having fun. At first, you're just hitting the ball in the net. You know, pickleball is easier. So yeah, there's a lot of adults, a lot of older adults coming in and playing. So why do we play as adults? This is from the website Psych Central on the importance of play for adults. It says, playing is just as important for adults as it is for kids. Among its many benefits, adult play can boost your creativity, sharpen your sense of humor, and it can also help you cope with stress better. And they say, anything you do recreationally that brings you joy or excitement can count as playing. Whether it's getting sucked into a video game, collecting stamps, now that sounds exciting right there. (laughs) (laughs) I say that as a guy who collects stuff. playing sports, or writing short stories in your spare time. Whatever style of play works for you, know that making time for it can have substantial benefits for your mental and physical well-being. Yeah, that's right. I was reading an article in the New York Times by Kristen Wong, and a great quote that stuck out to me uh, was that she said, generally speaking, play is something that's imaginative, self-directed, intrinsically motivated, and guided by rules that leave room for creativity. And the article kind of went on to point out how play is a way of disconnecting from our ego and becoming less self-conscious. Of course, part of our ego's job is to play the role of self-critic and to try to protect us from failure. But that can often lead to our world getting smaller and smaller until we feel like we're trapped and constrained. You know, we have to be the responsible adult all the time. So play can be one of those ways to break out of the box I know I've fallen into the trap before of thinking that all of our free time must be spent productively, which eliminates play essentially and creativity. Play is also a biological drive. As with any topic, you know, once you dig in, you see how deep it goes. So as I was preparing for this, I found the National Institute for Play. The National Institute for Play was founded by Dr. Stuart Brown, and they are dedicated to advancing society's understanding and application of play, a long-ignored biological capacity that can lead to healthier, happier lives. Well, I hope it's fun to work there. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I hate my job. Where do you work? National (laughs) Institute for Play. (laughs) (laughs) You like walk in and the building's all drab and depressing fluorescent lights everywhere (laughs) you only get one 15 minute break a day (laughs) Uh, this is a serious institute (laughs) 
I think it might just be a website where kind of research is collected. But anyway, Dr. Brown says that we have play circuits buried deep in our midbrain that are just waiting to be activated. And when the neurons of our play circuits are activated by elements in our environment, we get motivated to engage. He says, for example, when you see a ball, you want to pick it up and throw it, especially if there's a puppy or a fun friend, because your play circuit is activated by seeing that object. In our case, our cat loves to play with a twist tie, just a regular ordinary twist tie from a bread bag. And it will like chase it for long periods of time and, and retrieve it and bring it back. And it brings me a lot of joy to like throw the twist tie for a cat. <laughs> yeah, this cat acts more like a small dog. Isn't it funny how usually toys that pets like the most are not even the official pet toys that you buy? <laughs> right. Just random stuff. It's often the same with kids. <laughs> Dr. Brown goes on to say, the more adults act from their play nature, the greater their overall well-being. Adults who do not regularly activate their play nature may experience their lives as tinged with depression. They may lack the optimism, adaptability, and resiliency to perform well in their work and in their family lives. So turning our attention for a moment to evolution, let's think about how our early ancestors played. Um, We had Dr. Daniel Lieberman from Harvard on the podcast back in 2021 when he came out with his book, Exercised. He argues that we didn't evolve to exercise, per se. Our ancestors were hunter-gatherers, and they spent hours every day walking, carrying, digging, and occasionally running, climbing, throwing, dancing, and fighting. So in other words, they played. He writes, As far as we know, all mammals play when they are young, helping them acquire social and physical skills. Humans are one of the few species that also sometimes play as adults, and uniquely in the context of sports, a distinctive human behavior common to all cultures. Ancient texts like the Iliad and paintings from Pharaonic Egypt testify that sports like wrestling, sprinting, and javelin throwing helped would-be warriors keep fit and hone their combat skills. You can just see how you know warlike cultures sort of just morphed into sports cultures. That's why there's so many fight elements right, in sports. But like Dr. Lieberman says, games and play were used to keep skills sharp that you would need for hunting and for combat. And for socialization as well. So it's not just about violence. (laughs) Right, right. It's also for socialization. Also group cooperation, physical and emotional well-being. There's all elements of, you know, a team play atmosphere. Yep. What we need to do, and the point of this episode, is we need to look at exercise not as work, but as play. Because exercise kind of sounds like a chore, and no wonder we procrastinate it, right? But play, that sounds like fun. So it's really all a matter of attitude, Uh, Two people might be throwing a ball, but one is playing and the other is not. In fact, on the National Institute for Play website, there's a photo of a dude throwing his golf club. And it says, (laughs) the caption reads, golf is not play for this guy. It's not having fun. (laughs) (laughs) So you could be out there on a run having fun. And it's like play. And you could be out there just hoping to get it over with. Hating every second of it. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't sound like fun. No. So we're going to talk about how long distance running and marathon training can be viewed as play. Because I was thinking, you know, when I do a trail marathon, especially the ones I've done like in the mountains, they're hard. It's a death march up these mountains. It's hot. But I view it as I get to play in the mountains. It's so fun to be out there in nature. If I was doing a city marathon, like if I was running Chicago this year, I would view it as a fun romp through the city. They're going to close down the course just for us. It's like a 26.2 mile tour of the city. We get to see all this cool stuff and all these people are going to be cheering for us. That sounds like a lot of fun. Even speed work sessions can be play. Yeah, the the Swedish word fartlek means speed play. There you go. (laughs) 
Those guys got it figured out, That's man. That's right. Speed work doesn't translate as fun in my brain that easily. I don't know. Do you find it fun? I think it depends on your mindset, your attitude. Again, you know, if you look yeah. at it as just another thing that you have to check off your to-do list, then it can be monotonous and grueling. But if you look at it as you get to test your body out and challenge yourself and see what you're made of, then that can bring more of a playful attitude towards it. So let's say you're going down to the track because uh, you're going to do some tempo runs down there, or some Yasso 800s. Why not tell yourself, I get to go play at the track today? That's right. Or if you have a hill run scheduled, think of it as, I get to play on the hills today. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what you're going to see out there. That's right. So in just a moment, we're going to share seven elements of play that will help you focus on the fun in your marathon training. And speaking of marathons, we are so excited to be partnering with the Flagstaff Marathon in Arizona. They have a full, a half, and a 10K on beautiful trails at elevation. So it's a tough race. In fact, they describe it as one of Arizona's toughest marathons. That's right. This isn't just a race. It's a journey through northern Arizona's famous geological wonders, a test of your endurance and spirit. That's a beautiful area. Yeah, it is. So it's going to take place November 4th this year, 2023. The Flagstaff Marathon is really bringing the element of fun, which we are talking about on this episode. This year, expect to see a gourmet hot cocoa bar for all to enjoy, featuring a kid's area with games, cornhole, and a bouncy house. All race participants receive a swag bag, medal, post-race lunch, and beer, and they have warm and cozy men's and women's race hoodies. So they really deliver on the swag. Yeah, use the code MTA23 for 15% off. And just a heads up, prices go up September 25th. So if you're hearing this in time, flagstaffmarathon.com, use the code MTA23 for 15% off. Thanks also to Ola Dance, makers of wearable stereo earbuds. You'll be able to listen to your favorite music and podcast while still hearing what's going on around you in your environment and not have your ears get tired if you listen to a lot of audio, which tends to happen. Take it from Angie. She listens to audiobooks every day of the year. <laughs> Guilty as charged. These are the most comfortable earbuds that I've ever tried, and the sound quality is amazing. Um, they have a three times bigger dynamic driver and 360 degrees superior sound. You don't get ear fatigue because they're not sitting in your ear canal. So they help prevent hearing loss and they're perfect for hearing your surroundings when you're out on a run or even if you're wearing them around the house and need to hear your kids or pets. <laughs> Just go to oladance.com, use the code MTA20 for 20% off. oladance.com, code MTA20. All right, let's talk about the seven elements of play that can help you focus on finding more fun as a long distance runner, getting in those training runs, preparing for race day, whatever you got going on. See if you can identify with some of these elements. They are key elements in a game or in sports. The first is challenge. One thing that makes a game fun, it's challenging. If it's too easy, it's not fun. Or if the competition's too one-sided, <laughs> like when I played cornhole the other day <laughs> and I started losing. <laughs> Uh, like the first six games, the friends that I play cornhole with, none of them are runners, but they're really into sports. They're like football. A lot of us have kids who are playing sports and the kids and the dads were talking about which sport has the most running because <laughs> everyone hates running, right? <laughs> well, basketball has a lot of running. Well, football practice, they make you run a lot. And then finally I said, running has the most running. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it's hard. But maybe that's why people do it is because it's challenging. It's also paradoxically fun. 
And sometimes the more hard it is, the more fun it is. This is when you get really into the psychology of a long distance runner. I remember I was at the Kaiser Marathon in Austria. It was in the Alps, so elevation gain, and the weather just turned really nasty, and we were just getting soaked, and there was sleet. As I would just soak with water, and you know, you gotta keep running to keep warm. I just had to laugh. I just had to smile and laugh because it was so ridiculous. The fact that we were all out there doing that, and we paid money to do it. <laughs> and spent months, for some people, training. <laughs> yeah, and traveled all the way to Austria. <laughs> but, you know, it was fun because it was miserable, and that's pretty weird. But something's challenging. It could also be really rewarding. Angie, I'm sure you've had a race like that before. Yeah, and I've also been on training runs or, like you said, races where I've asked myself why I didn't choose another hobby. (laughs) Because if most people could see me, they would question my sanity. Like, how can this be fun? But somehow we know that there is magic in the misery. It's like those very memorable experiences, even though maybe they were hard and you're just kind of like rolling your eyes at the ridiculousness of it, is something that you remember and it really cements it in your brain and you like think of it with pleasure later. (laughs) For sure. Another way to challenge yourself outside of the race environment is to play with speed by throwing in different paces on some of your runs. We talked about fartlek, speed play. Of course, we don't want you to do speed work on every run, but playing with speed work or running hills or adding other challenging elements elements into your running can prevent boredom or add elements of fun. I've even named hills on my running route. You know, there's one that I call the mother of all hills. And it's almost like a challenge, you know, like you against the hill. It's, it's sort of like a challenging, playful element. So like play, running can be challenging, but fun at the same time. Yeah. So now you begin to understand how people get through 100 milers Someone like Sally McRae, who we had recently on the show, doing 200-mile ultras, one right after the other this year, in fact. And we've talked to a lot of these ultra runners. They seem optimistic, and they just really enjoy what they're doing. Yeah, because you wouldn't be running 200 miles if you didn't enjoy running long distance. Like, I hope not. (laughs) No. They have the ability to just have fun and keep smiling, even through all the misery. Yeah, that's true. So think about that when you're out there embrace the challenge push to the edge you know safely of course and enjoy getting to that point where your legs are tired maybe it'll take 15 miles if you're doing 20 that last five miles or that last three when you're running on tired legs that's where you're going to find that edge and you're embracing the challenge And there's even research that says that smiling in the midst of hard things like that actually makes it feel easier. So you can kind of like sort of trick your body into feeling like it's easier than it actually is. That's right. Okay, the second element is progress. Games provide feedback loops and they titillate the reward centers of our brain. I've been wanting to use the word titillate on the podcast. Glad I had an opportunity, Angie. I hope that was fun for you. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of fun titillate. Video game developers realize this, that people have to be able to make progress through a game, collecting points or whatever they're doing in the game, beating the bosses in order to stay interested. When you feel like you're not making progress, if you're not getting a little bit better, it can really be discouraging. So definitely celebrate the buildup in your marathon training. There was a time when you probably couldn't run a mile or you couldn't run three miles or five miles. And look at you now. That's right. You can even look at your marathon training plan or whatever training plan you're using and kind of gamify it. Look at it as a way to see your progress as you check off each training run. 
you know, each rest day, whatever is on there, you know, it can give you that sense of progress that you are, you know, changing yourself one day at a time. That's why we built this run tracker for our virtual run folks. We have all these medals that we can send people from 100 miles all the way up now to 2,500 miles. So they run the miles, they go into the run tracker, and every 10 miles there's like this new badge. And I try to really make it fun. Like, for example, the 2,000-mile medal is the Great Wave off Kanagawa. Everyone's seen the Great Wave. There's even a Great Wave emoji. So I think there's 10 badges leading up to the Great Wave that are all puns on the Great Wave. Like, there's... The Great Waiver, where people are just signing a contract. <laughs> <laughs> so like when you sign up for a race, you're basically agreeing to like not sue even if you lose limbs or die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Great Waiver. <laughs> you know, when you're new to running, there are many ways to see noticeable progress in your training, which adds to the fun. But sometimes when you get to be a more experienced runner, you have to be intentional about changing things up to avoid feeling like you're stuck in a rut. Um, you know, so maybe like doing a mileage tracker that has a fun level to unlock every 10 miles, something like that would really add to the joy. Because if you run long enough, there's going to be times when you don't feel like you're progressing, you know, you're going to hit a plateau. And of course, there's going to be a time when you no longer get faster. So I think accepting that that is part of the process is really helpful to be able to enjoy running in the long term. Progress can be wonderful, but if it's the only thing we're focusing on, then it's going to suck the joy out of running. The cool thing about finishing a race, it's like completing a game. And now you have a medal to hang on your wall. You've made progress. You've done another marathon. Not many people do this, but that marathon can be embedded in an even bigger game, i.e. a bigger goal. Like for years, Angie was running marathons that were part of a set of marathons. And that set was a 50 state goal. So like a big goal with you know, running a marathon in every state or half marathon or, or getting to 10 or collecting other countries, that could also be a great way to touch the reward centers in your brain that get titillated by progress. All right, the third element of fun is mastery. Sports and games are fun when we develop some competency, some levels of skill. We'll call it mastery. It doesn't mean you're, you're going to be the best in the world, but mastery, just you are mastering elements of a game. So running falls under a category of play called movement play. There's other categories um, like object play where you're throwing a ball. But movement play is fun because we truly find joy in using and mastering complex body dynamics. There's a certain coordination needed when you run. And running on trails is different than running on roads. Speed sessions are, are different than going out and doing heart rate training or running easy. So you get to master all these little nuances in running. Yeah, that's right. I think actually running could fit into several of the play categories. There's social play. If you do group runs or races are part of your running, of course, that's social. Um, and there's definitely an element of celebration, you know, celebratory play involved in running. And like you said, by mastery, we don't mean that you're going to reach some level of perfection. Um, sometimes mastery means recognizing that you'll probably never be where you want to be physically and accepting that. It's like mastering your mindset. You can look at running as something that brings joy and change to your life. Um, it makes me think of the book, It's Great to Suck at Something by Karen Rinaldi. I really enjoyed reading that book. And she says, quote, when was the last time you tried something new, something that won't make you more productive, won't make you more money or check anything off your to-do list? Odds are not recently. 
We're living in a time of aspirational psychoses. We humble brag about how hard we work. We prioritize productivity over play. We clamor for likes on social media and are told to not accept failure as an option. As a result, we're more anxious and depressed than ever. And Karen, her thing that she sucked at was surfing. So she dedicated, you know, 17 plus years of her life to surfing without ever becoming good at it, according to her. I'm sure she's way better than I would be. But 17 years and she never got up on the board. No, that's not true. (laughs) She goes on to talk about how she managed to find meaning and joy in the resilience that it takes to continue. Sucking at something rewires our brain in positive ways and helps cultivate grit, practice patience and humility, and ultimately experience freedom. Freedom to pursue the futile because the freedom to suck without caring is revelatory. And so having the freedom to not be great at something, you know, like running, (laughs) it's constantly challenging us. You know, we're dealing with changes in our body, changes in our environment. There's always something that's changing because that's the nature of life. And uh, the fourth element is exploration. This can mean exploring new streets in your town or city, or getting out to the trails, you know, maybe exploring trails that you've never been on before. Um, this may include counting how many bunnies you see. There's a lady named Debbie in the, the social distancing run group that takes a picture of bunnies on her run or counts how many she sees. That's fun for her. Or deciding which tree is your favorite along your running route. I typically do that during the fall, like the fall foliage. I'm like, oh, this is my favorite tree. And, you know, you just kind of can catalog the changing seasons as you run. Um, Some people explore by trying to run all the streets in their town. And, you know, Trevor, you mentioned when I was working on my 50 state marathon goal, we really had to be intentional about where we traveled. um, And we got to see and experience places we probably wouldn't have traveled to otherwise through running. So it was really special. Um, And running can even take you to different countries. That's one of the things you love, Trevor. You get to experience interesting scenery, cultures, people, and cuisine, you know, that you wouldn't be there otherwise. Yeah, I definitely love me some runcations. That's sort of one of my big goals in the way that I'm making progress and having fun with my health and fitness is I'm going to keep running marathons in cool places that I want to go to. And even if you're traveling for work, you know, having a regular running routine can help you kind of get out of the box and explore other areas, you know, explore routes that local runners like to run or, you know, just find some place to get out and get some exercise can be really helpful to expanding your exploration of the world. All right. The fifth element is connection. Running is also fun because it brings people together. And we found runners to be just really cool people. So connecting with a local group or an online group, you'll probably find that to be one of the most enjoyable aspects of being a long distance runner. Yeah, that's right. I mean, running is ultimately something we do for ourselves. But like you mentioned, Trevor, connecting with others makes the experience much richer. And connecting with others through running can be a great way to develop new friendships or strengthen existing ones. Maybe that's through a running group that you have gotten involved with locally. Maybe it's a group run that you've gone on. I've made friends before by going on like a group trail run through our local running store. And, you know, you can find someone maybe that you really enjoy spending time with that makes running more fun and helps keep you accountable to your goals. Yeah, speaking of connection, everyone should come to an MTA meetup at some point in your life. <laughs> They're a lot of fun. We're going to have two coming up. We've got the Boulderthon in Boulder, Colorado. I'll be there. And then the Richmond Marathon in Richmond, Virginia. And then next year, Tokyo Marathon. Angie and I are running that for the charity Room to Read. Really excited about that. And then we're, like we mentioned on our last episode, putting together this hike around Mont Blanc in France. 
So trying hard to make that a reality because, and you talk about all of the element, for me anyway, all of the elements that we've went over, exploration, progress and challenge and connection, all of that is built in to trail running and hiking around Mount Blanc in the Alps. I mean, it's definitely, there's going to be connection because we're all going to hang out together. <laughs> That's right. There's definitely going to be exploration. It's one of the most beautiful places on earth. It's going to be challenging. Those elevation gains and losses are really tough. That's how I want to spend my retirement, Angie, just like hiking around mountains. <laughs> but you're not waiting for retirement, right? You're building right. in play into your daily life. Yeah. And I want to stay healthy enough to be able to keep playing. So that's why, smooth transition here to a sidekick ad, <laughs> that's why injury prevention and injury treatment is so important for long distance runners. You're out there pounding the pavement, getting in the miles. Unfortunately, running injuries are common. You might be suffering from plantar fasciitis, shin splints, IT band tightness, hip issues, knee pain. And if you've gone to a physical therapist, maybe you've experienced muscle scraping. Uh, they have these tools that help break up the blocked vessels and heal that stress tissue in your body. Sidekick develops recovery tools for runners so you can heal from your injury quicker and get back to doing what you love. That's right. You can get the benefits of massage at home in mere minutes or seconds. I was actually just using the Eclipse muscle scraper this morning on my foot, just kind of helping warm it up because I tend to deal with a little bit of plantar fasciitis sometimes. But to get started with their muscle scraping, I recommend the My Personal PT bundle. It comes with two of their most popular tools, the Echo and the Eclipse. Those are two that I use. They're part of the My Personal PT bundle. Take control of your injury recovery. Go to sidekicktool.com MTA to get 15% off your order. That's sidekicktool.com MTA and save 15%. All right. So number six, we're talking about elements of fun that can be built into your running and marathon training. We've talked about challenge, progress, mastery, exploration, and connection. Number six is competition. You know, it's fun to strive for a PR. It's fun to be competitive with yourself, uh, to compete in your age group. And what's cool about marathon training is you can kind of a la carte pick how you want to be competitive, what elements work for you. If you don't care about trying to qualify for Boston, you know, cause that's pretty competitive to try to get in something like that or New York city, you can compete against the course. You can compete against yourself. Even your local running area, Angie talked about we have this hill. It's called the mother of all hills. We like to compete against that hill. Most of the time, that hill kicks my ass, but I'm <laughs> happy for the competition. That's right. There are challenges that you can do on platforms like Strava where you can get crowns for segments or become local legends. Sadly, I just learned that I am no longer the local legend on some segments in Italy that I got while I was there last summer. <laughs> well, competition's pretty fierce I demand to go back and become the local legend again. <laughs> I'll take you. I'm just kidding. But maybe it means a race or a challenge that sparks your motivation and helps you kick it into a new gear. And like Trevor has pointed out, competition doesn't have to mean speed. Maybe it sounds fun to do a running streak challenge, like Runner's World does one through the holidays. Or you can compete with yourself when it comes to your heart rate, keeping it in the correct zone, or even staying consistent with your strength training. There's many ways to compete against, you know, your alarm clock. Are you going to hit the snooze button in the morning? <laughs> oh, yeah. We haven't even talked about strength training. Angie, something that you love. You were just talking about how you just got a new squat record for yourself. Yes, I've been working, you know, kind of competing against myself and trying to progress in my strength training. And yeah, I was just able to squat 165 
for, nice. you know, four sets, which <laughs> I don't usually go for my max squat. Maybe I could do more if I was just doing a single rep. But, you know, I'm like constantly trying to improve in the area of strength training because I know it helps me in every area of life. So there's multiple sub areas under running where you can compete with yourself and try to get better and change it up and make it fun. Hey, if you're doing your first marathon, you can try to beat Oprah. Her time was like, what, 420 something. Unfortunately, I did not beat her at my first marathon. I finished in like 431, I think. But many people try to beat Trevor's first marathon time. (laughs) Yeah, you can try to beat me, 431. I doubt you can do it though. I mean, that's a great time. (laughs) And finally, number seven, how to find fun in your long distance running. The seventh element is reward. If you wanna gamify something, you gotta build rewards into it, right? There's a good reason why runners love getting medals. And often races will do like metal sets, you know, collect them all, run yeah. all the years or because it, that's rewarding to our, our human brains. Like we're squirrels. <laughs> yeah. It's not like we need them. I mean, they just sit on the wall or in a box, but it's fun to get that. And my opinion, the more clever and interesting the metal, the more fun it is. That's why I hate getting like a dumb, small metal at a marathon. <laughs> 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 or no no metal at all. That's like your worst pet peeve, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> While we're on the subject of medals, though, Angie, let me mention some races that I think do a really cool medal, all right? Because I'm a connoisseur of fine running medals. Yes, you are. <laughs> and we also, you know, have ones that we give out for our distance challenges that I think are brilliant, and I've been told that by many, many people. <laughs> <laughs> they are very well designed, yes. But here's some cool ones. The first one's over the top, and that's the Little Rock Marathon. They just keep getting bigger and bigger. And so now they're like the size of a plate and they're always like have a theme. Another really fun one. I'm a big sucker for any kind of skull and bones and day of the dead thing. So the Tupelo Marathon always has like this skull on it and it says trample the weak, hurdle the dead. Yeah, that was one of your favorite races. (laughs) At least the bling was. (laughs) Oh, the bling is so cool. Then there's the iconic unicorn from the Boston Marathon. Everyone wants to have that. Or the Wine Glass Marathon in Corning, New York, where they have the uh, Corning Glass. They do a specialized glass medal every year. Yeah. Rock and Roll Series for their New Orleans marathons. Instead of a ribbon, they have beads, like a, a bead necklace. And then they quit doing that for some reason. Wow, that was year. really I know, that dumb. was, yeah. <laughs> You're in New Orleans, and it's around Mardi Gras time. So to have a medal like hanging on beads, that was just perfect. Enough metal talk, Angie, what do you want to say? (laughs) Well, I was thinking another post-long run or race reward is special food or drinks. And obviously, you should never get into the mentality that you have to try to earn your calories. Eating well is part of treating your body with respect. But we all know how certain foods and drinks taste extra good after a tough workout. It kind of reminds me of the Courtney DeWalter shirt that says single track and nachos. You know, we all have that one thing or maybe many things that just hit the spot. So Trevor, if you had to have a shirt that said single track and what would it be for you? Like fill in the blank. What I took during my 50K at the Continental Divide 50K in Montana, I took Pop-Tarts. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) It'd been a long time since I had a Pop-Tart. So man, yeah, that tasted so good after about 20 miles. So yeah, single track and Pop-Tarts. But nachos, I would probably take over Pop-Tarts. I was going to say for you, single track and beer, but that would be more like a post-race celebration thing. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll drink beer on any kind of track. <laughs> <laughs> Train track? 
<laughs> no, that's a little dangerous. <laughs> so besides medals, it can be fun to motivate ourselves also with new running gear and accessories. Of course, you know, we don't need new stuff to make running fun, but shoes obviously wear out. You need to buy new pairs and runners just get a certain joy out of a new pair of trainers. There's so many different colors you can get nowadays in the ones that work for your feet. It can be really fun. You know, you'll see some people who wear costumes during their races, and that's a way to bring in an element of fun, like the Disney races. You know, many people dress up for their races, and that it's like, you know, being an adult and getting to play and dress up in costumes. I should have mentioned them for the medals. They got the medal game down. (laughs) That's true. They give you like freaking 16 medals, and they definitely have that gamified. That's right. Yeah, they've really added that, that fun, that play. Because, of course, you go to Disney because it's the happiest place on earth, right? <laughs> For some people. <laughs> Not the last time I was there. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to go, don't go over Christmas break. We, we waited in line basically all day. And I think even for the Peter Pan ride, the line was two and a half hours long. Peter Pan rides, nothing to write home about. I was going to I was gonna say, don't go in July when it's extremely hot and your family is all cranky and thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> is that when we went? We're not adding, we're not talking from personal experience or anything, are we? Oh, that's right. <laughs> anyway, on to the fun. I, you know, I'll also add that it's important to simply view moving your body as a reward in and of itself. It's something that most of us take for granted until we're injured or we're reminded that other people deal with huge physical challenges. So there are times when it's important to walk, hike, run, or ride simply for the joy of movement. And I think during those times, it's important not to worry about your training stats or posting about it online. You know, simply try to be present in your body and awake to your surroundings. And that can be a form of meditation and intensely rewarding just by doing things for the sake of movement. All right, so the seven elements of play to help you focus on the fun in your running is challenge, progress, mastery, exploration, connection, competition, and reward. Hope you identify with some or all of those points, and that encourages you to just keep playing. So Angie, what are you playing around with right now? Doing a Tough Mudder soon. Yes, I'm trying not to think too much about it. (laughs) Some of the obstacles look like they could be... Shocking. (laughs) <laughs> challenging <laughs> it's it's crazy because i keep seeing their ads on facebook because i visited their website one time and so boom i see all their ads and they took like the most miserable parts of the course like when people are crawling through mud getting shocked and that's what they're leading with in their marketing and thinking about that and thinking about what you guys are going to do because you're running this with other ladies what elements of fun emerge that we've talked about yeah there's definitely going to be several um, elements you know the connection the challenge I'm sure the reward (laughs) for having finished. Um, But, you know, there's going to be a lot of laughter too because it's important to be able to not take ourselves too seriously and to be able to just laugh at ourselves. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of that laughing at each other and ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's going to be great. And hey, if you're training for something or even if you're in maintenance mode, we created Academy Membership and also our coaching services to help you gain mastery in your running and have more fun doing it. Because, you know, it's fun to see progress and it's fun to connect with other runners from around the world. So yeah, I'd love to have you join us. Find out more on our website or send us a question. We have a contact form over there. Find that at marathontrainingacademy.com. That's it for this episode. Until next time, always remember you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my way.